0: When the tolerant world calls you intolerant for saying the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, how are you going to respond? Are you going to pick up the gauntlet and respond with the same hate and evil directed towards you, or are you going to show the world a better way? Because as believers in Christ, what we need to do, as hard as it is, we need to leave that gauntlet on the ground.
1: Are you looking for meaning or a word from God that's relevant to your life? Are you searching for a better understanding of who God is? Well, you're in the right place. You found the Gary Talks About God podcast. This is a weekly podcast that comes to you from the pulpit of Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. The podcast is hosted by Red Bank senior pastor, Gary Sanders. Now let's get ready to take that walk through God's word with our pastor, teacher, and friend. Hey, he's that guy we call Gary.
0: 1 Peter chapter 3, in just a moment we're going to be down in verse 9 to verse 12, and as you turn there and you open your study guide, uh, I'm, I'm making a correction this morning to the study guide, uh, and, and here it is, th- th- this is why I'm going to give you just a little bit down in the weeds, behind the scenes, sermon prep, because I know that y'all are dying to know this, and, and I know you, you're like, what happened Gary? When you're reading through 1 Peter 3 and you get to verse 8, verse 8 is very clear that Peter is talking to believers and how believers interact with other believers. That that, that is very clear. What becomes a little unclear is in verse 9, where he says, Do not repay evil for evil. Has he changed? He's still talking to believers, but has the audience changed, right? In verse 8, uh or not the audience but the recipients change. Verse eight, all of you have this. So the unity of mind is for the body of Christ and how we respond and how we relate to each other. And verse nine, do not repay evil for evil. Has the recipients of who he's who he's talking to changed? Meaning, is he talking about believers in the body or is he talking about people in the world? Now when I went through and, and did the study guide several weeks ago I lumped this together in conduct and behavior inside the church. But then upon further study and further reflection, I thought, you know what? We shouldn't be repaying evil for evil to each other. We, we shouldn't be inflicting evil on each other, right? I mean, I, I'd like to thank you show up here this morning and, and we're kind to each other. We're nice to each other. We're not going to be mean to each other. And so as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know what, I'm going to change my mind and say that he is now switched and the recipients now becomes the world. That he's talking about how we interact with the world in the context of suffering because when he gets down to verse 13, you can see him start talking about the suffering motif. And also, this is not the first time he's used that phrase, right? Remember he he gave it to slaves and how they related to their masters? He gave it to wives and how they related to their husbands if they were not believers. And so it makes sense that this command, do not repay evil for evil, is not an intercommunity behavior, but how as believers we interact with the hostile world. So I'm going to move this one to the next heading. If you look in the front of the study guide, it's got some big headings, and and the next heading was suffering and the believer. So this one, even though it's in the second part of behavior in the church, it's actually going to be in that next section now, but you can take notes wherever it is in the study guide. And this is what Peter writes. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, This morning I am positive that you have heard the expression, throw down the gauntlet. You, know, you, have, you have heard that. And the way we get that expression is it has to do with the age of chivalry and knights on horseback, you know. And what they would have on their hand, that, that big metal glove was, was called a gauntlet. And if you took off your gauntlet and I walked over to somebody, and I will pick on Roger this morning, and I walked over to Roger and I took off my gauntlet and I threw it down at his feet, well, that means that Roger has offended me, that Roger has done something to me or to my family that has made me mad, and I've gone over and I've thrown down my gauntlet at Roger saying, all right, it's on, let's go. We're going to settle this because you have insulted me, my family, you've brought suffering upon me. And as a knight of honor, I can't let that stand. We have to do something about it. Now, the interesting thing about that analogy is when you throw down the gauntlet and the gauntlet was then picked up, Then basically what you're doing is saying, how you have treated me with evil, I now want to inflict pain and suffering on you. I want to react to your insult with the same societal norms that society says is good, is acceptable. So you've insulted me, I'm now going to insult you. You've inflict harm on my family, I now want to inflict harm on you. I am going to react to you in the same manner that you've you've acted towards me and in a way that the world says is good and acceptable. However, as a believer in Christ, we have a question that we need to ask ourselves. When the world, metaphorically speaking, throws down the gauntlet at us, and insults us, uh, accuses us of baseless accusations, uh, uh, does all types of evil towards us, inflicts suffering on us, how are we going to respond? Do we respond in kind and do the same thing? Well, verse 9 makes it very clear. Peter, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, No, we are called to respond differently. In fact, even in the face of this, we're told that believers... And here's the broad point this morning, that believers are to be blessing to the world. Believers are to be a blessing to the world. Now, this is not the first time that we've seen that word blessing, right? We've, we've seen it before. Uh, Peter has already talked about it. We talked about how this is the word where we get the word eulogy to say good words about. So at a funeral, you eulogize somebody, you say good words about them. But a blessing, broadly speaking, is the bestowing of a privilege, a right, a responsibility, or favor upon some portion of the creation, either by God or by one whom he has blessed. And this morning, I want to focus really on that last part. Right, Because we know in Ephesians 1-3 that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We know that God is a God of blessing, and he likes to bless his children. We like to be blessed by God, right? If I were to ask this morning, how many of you want to be blessed by God? I, I hope all of you would raise your hand. It's that last part, though, where as believers in Christ, we have a great privilege that we can bestow blessings on others as well. That God has said, here, you can do this. You can be an instrument of my blessing to the world. And Peter writes very clearly in verse 9, Do not repay evil for evil. As you read that and, and you think about it where it says, don't do that, instead bless, You know, we can go back through Scripture. And we can look at Luke 6.28 where it says, bless those who curse you. We can look in Romans 12:14, "Bless those who persecute you." First Corinthians 4:12. "When reviled, we bless all of those instances, whether it's suffering, reviling, evil being perpetrated against you, instead of responding in kind, you turn and you bless." It's a great privilege, privilege that we're given to do that. But did you also notice in this verse in 1 Peter 3 9 and all those other verses? Did you notice that it's a command? It's not a suggestion. It's not a if you feel like it. Now, if you ask me, this makes it even more difficult because we're told to bless regardless of how we feel. Now, all of us here this morning and everybody watching, we know that we are uh, emotional creatures. And you know that sometimes we react out of emotions. However, when we're given this command to bless and really given any command in Scripture, we're being asked to take our emotions out of it. Because if we allow our emotions in and to override us, then we're probably not going to follow the command. Let's go back to last week, and I gave you that humorous example about none of you showing sympathy towards me because of the Patriots' season this year, right? Not getting any love, not getting any Gary. That, that's, that's just too bad. I'm sorry the Patriots are suffering, you know? But last week, surprisingly enough, they beat the Ravens. I have no idea how they did that. So let's, let's play with two scenarios with this, right, just to show you how emotions can get the better part of you. So last week, the Patriots win, hey, I'm in a good mood. Patriots one makes me happy, right? Happiness, external stimuli, right? Not joy, happiness. Because happiness comes from external. So I'm happy. Later on that evening or the next day, somebody at Walmart, because all the stories about getting ill happen at Walmart, right? Does something and cuts me off, hits me with the cart, takes the last roll of toilet paper. (laughs) Again, I mean, here we go again. And I decide, you know what? Patriots won. It's all right. I'm in a good mood. I'm going to be nice. I'm going I'm to help put that toilet paper in their cart. Right? I'm happy. So an evil has been perpetrated against me. But because I'm happy, I decide to let it go and I respond appropriately. But oh man, let's say that the Patriots lose today. And I'm at Walmart tomorrow. That person bumps into my cart and takes the last roll of toilet paper. That toilet paper's coming out of their cart, and it's going in mine. You, rep- you, you, you are evil to me. You did me wrong, so I'm going to take that toilet paper, put it in my cart, and go check out. I allowed my emotions to get the better of me, and I'm repaying evil for evil. Now, I, I know that that's a really stupid illustration, and I use that on purpose. But do you see how, just in something so simple, we can let our emotions override what we have been instructed to do so think about it this way if in a situation so simple now which honestly let's again let's pick on walmart it's getting worse and worse because now you got to check yourself out so if that person gets in front of you at the line with their whole buggy you know think about how we behave but in a situation so simple if if we allow our emotions to override us in, in something that is really inconsequential When something serious happens to us. When we're made fun of for our faith. When we're reviled at work for being a believer. If we can't control ourselves at Walmart over the toilet paper and not do what is right, how in the world, when our emotions get the better of us at work, are we going to be able to do what we're commanded to do? See, the command to bless... As as we are told right here necessitates us acting out of the fruit of the spirit of self-control. We've got to control our emotions and act according to God's word as he has instructed us. Because I guarantee you if you don't control your emotions then you're not going to act under self-control and you're going to probably act contrary to what God has said. So we have to do that, otherwise we can't be the blessing that we're called to be. Make sense? Well, then Peter goes on and he says, all right, here, here's how you're going to be a blessing. And he said, believers are to be a blessing by doing good. Believers are to bless others by doing good. This morning as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are to bless others by doing good. Quoted Luke 6, 28 earlier, that was from the lips of Jesus in, in the Sermon on the Mount in, in the Gospel of Luke. If you go back up to verse 27, again, as Jesus is speaking, he says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Now, I, I know that y'all are all so much, y- you're always more spiritual than me, and I understand I understand. That. That's why I always pick on myself, because I'm still trying to figure this out, and y'all have got it figured out. I have two fundamental problems with that verse. Number one, I don't even like the person, so how in the world can I love them? That's number one. And number two, why then, if I don't like them and I don't love them, am I going to do good to somebody who hates me? Right? The best thing that I'm going to do is avoid you. I'm going to stay away from you. That way, I'm not going to be tempted to perpetrate evil for evil. Right? I mean, avoidance is, is sometimes is a great way to be holy. <laughs> right? But here we are. Jesus is telling us to do this. And it's also difficult because the command to bless is given to people, believers in Christ, who are on the receiving end of evil. Right? I mean, think about it from the other side. The command to bless is not for believers who at the moment in life is everything is going good. Right? Where everybody loves you. You know, you walk down the road and the birds just sing a song for you. Nobody is despising you for your faith. Everything is good. The command to bless is not given to people who have, or to believers who have everything together and everything is working for good at that moment where you can see it. The command to bless is given to believers who are actively facing persecution. The believers in 1 Peter. Theological exiles are facing persecution for their belief. And here Peter writes, Hey, you know what? I know you're being reviled. I know people are perpetrating all type of evil against you. But you can't act like that. Instead, repay good. Do good to them. On the contrary. And it's just like, are you kidding me? That's... that's Somebody is perpetrating evil against me is probably the very last time that I really want to do good to them, right? I mean, Am I, am I the only one that, that feels that way? <laughs> hey, you're being really mean to me. You're making fun of me. You said my sermon was too long. I'm going to do something nice for you. That's why, I, that's why I haven't done anything nice for Barry in 12 years. I mean, but here's Peter's, you know, saying this is what you have to do. And then under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, look at what Peter writes at the end of verse 9. For to this you were called. Bless, for this you were called. Now, wait a minute. Let's go back in time, Jesus, because I didn't sign up for that. Right? We come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. We're signing up, honestly, for all the good things right? We're signing up for heaven and not to be in hell. We're signing up for the blessings that, that God who owns everything says, hey, I own the silver, I own the gold, I own the cattle, on the thousand hills. Every spiritual blessing I give to you, every answer is yes in Christ. We're signing up for all that, right? Any of you signed up for the persecution and to do evil or, or to have evil perpetrated against you so you could do good? I didn't. But here's what we're told. We're told then, hey, w- when this happens, This isn't an anomaly. This is what you were called to do. Like, I I can't do that. I I, I can't, I, I can't, you know, God, again, the best thing I can do, if they're doing evil, I'm going to get away and then avoid them, but you want me then to go to the next step now and actively do good to them? Hey, I don't have the power and the strength within myself to do that. And therein, is the key. We don't. But we have a Savior who does. We have a Savior who gives us the strength that we need to be able to obey the command He has placed upon our life. We have the ability to do good because He's going to give us the strength to do it. In your own power and own strength, you won't be able to do this. Right? We, we, I imagine we've all demonstrated that in our own power and our own strength, we can't do this. We, we've already demonstrated that we have failed. But in Christ, we can. And as you look at this, to what we're called and, and to do good, you might notice that no specific actions are given. It's open-ended. Because honestly, I think we all know what it means to do good. Sometimes God doesn't spell out what is obvious and what we know. Right? We, we know how to do good. The neighbor laughs at you for, for going to church. Go rake their leaves. Sorry, 2020. Go leaf blow their leaves. Right? The, your boss makes fun of you for praying uh, for your meals. Take him a dessert. But what if he still laughs at me? Well, take him a better dessert. Right? There, there, there's no caveat on the text that says you just do it once or you just do it twice. It's no, hey, hey, God, you're not in that conversation with Jesus like Peter was. Hey, how many times do I actually have to forgive my brother? Seven times? No, I say seven times 70. We're called to do good. We're called to bless through doing good. And we can only do that through the strength of God and Christ inside us. So that's number one. Number two, believers are to bless others through prayer. Right? The first one is an external action, right? Doing good is an external action, but there's also an internal action that we can take. And the internal action is a spiritual action as well. it's, It's prayer. In quoting Psalm 34, Peter writes look down in verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Notice the imagery. It says that as a believer, the Lord is watching you. As a believer, the Lord is listening to you, and he's opening his ears to your prayer. At the same time, we're told at the end of verse 12, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. He's not listening to them. He's actively turned his face against them. Now, while we haven't gotten there just yet, when we get into 2 Peter, what we're going to see is one of the points that Peter makes is that God desires people to come to repentance. It's in the verse about uh, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, a thousand years is but a day. The Lord desires people to come to repentance. So when we understand that, we understand Peter is writing, we look at this verse and we go, hey, wait a minute. The eyes of the Lord are upon us and his ears are open to our prayers. We're not supposed to repay evil for evil, but to do good. maybe also that we should be praying for them. That we should lift up our prayers for those who are perpetrating the evil against us. And as we do that, one of the things that it does, one of the great things about prayer is it changes your heart too. Now, I don't know if this is entirely accurate, but one of the statements I have heard for many years, and I'm sure that you've heard it as well, it's hard to be mad at somebody that you're praying for. mm, (laughs) Judging by the looks on your faces, I, I think you find that one a little bit hard to swallow as well. I'm not sure how true that is, but I do know this, that as you constantly pray for somebody, your heart usually does soften towards them. Your heart typically does change. And the reason I bring that up is we can't do this through clenched teeth, right? Y'all have had those clenched teeth prayers, right? God, I just want you to bless them. I just want you to you know, do good to them today. And, and you're like, let's be honest. We didn't mean that, did we? There wasn't any part of that prayer that we actually meant. Because what we meant is, God, I don't want you to do good to them. In the back of my mind, we're going, smite them, Lord. All of a sudden, all those psalms, all those prayers and psalms about imprecatory prayers, where we pray God's judgment on people, are coming out. Hey, I know, you know, you don't know scripture, and then all of a sudden you're mad at somebody. Hey, I remember that one where God says He smites someone. I remember this one where God says He He throws down the unrighteous, and, and and we can pray those. But is that the right prayer? How you're going? All right, Gary, how can we do this? Again, the, the power is from outside. The power, or the power is external to us, meaning we can't do it in our own strength. We need Christ in us to do it. All right, Jesus is on the cross. He is being nailed to the cross. What does he say? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Back in Luke 6, 29, he says, Pray for those who abuse you. And then at the end of Luke, he puts it into practice. He's praying for them. Surely, if Jesus can pray for the soldiers literally nailing him to the cross, we can pray for the people who are perpetrating evil against us. Let me tell you how. Let me give you some hows because, you know, I'm like, how, how do we do this? I want to make two suggestions for you this morning. Number one, follow the Lord's Prayer. I know that we pray the Lord's Prayer for ourselves. But have you ever thought that the Lord's Prayer would be good to pray for those who are your enemies? Right? Because I'm going to get it out of order. Lord's Prayer. He is praying, and let me just read it to you just to remember. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So how about this? Lord, I pray that those who commit evil against me and against your name, that they will come to hallow your name. How about that one? How about in, in taking that one and going to Second Peter 3? Hey, 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 God, I, I pray that they will reach repentance, that they will not perish before They reach repentance. How about this? God, thank you that you meet my daily needs. They have daily needs too. Would you meet their daily needs? God, you forgive me my sins because I am yours. May may they come to know you as Savior so that you could forgive them their sins and that they could reach repentance. God, thank you that you deliver me from evil. Would you not only deliver them from evil, but would you keep them from being a source of evil? why would we pray anything less for our enemies than we would pray for ourselves? It's not one of the best ways to show that you love your enemies is to pray for them the very same things that you pray for yourself. That's how you be a blessing. And look, I know y'all already go to the, the, the verse, but yeah, doesn't it say if we do good, we heap hot coals upon their heads? So yeah, I'm all in and I'm going to do it because I'm going to heap some hot co- No, 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 no. Let's do it because we desire for them to see repentance. Let's do it because we want to be faithful. Let's do it because we want them to see the image of Christ that lives in us. Let's do it because we are commanded to and we love our Savior so much, we're going to do what he commands us to do. Jumping back this morning to that throwing down the gauntlet illustration. And the world throws the gauntlet down at you ridicules you for your faith mocks you for believing in an invisible deity calls you unscientific because you believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth says you're going to be on the wrong side of history because you believe God created the male and female and that's all he created as you look around the world and you see the approaching, again, persecution sounds a little bit too harsh, but you can see the, the, the first waves of intolerance coming our way. And, and honestly, there's never been a time in history when it's not been. When the tolerant okay. world we're, we're, calls we're you intolerant, intolerant for saying anything, new, the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, confident. how are you going to respond? How are you going, are you going to, to pick respond? up the gauntlet and respond with the same when hate the and evil, evil directed you, towards you. Saying, or are you going to show the world a better Christ, way? How are you going to Because respond? as believers in Christ, what are we need to, to do, down, as hard as it is, and pick up need the, to gauntlet leave that gauntlet on the ground. and respond with the same hate and evil directed towards you, or are you going to show the world a better way? Because as believers in Christ, what we need to do, as hard as it is, we need to leave that gauntlet on the ground. We, we don't need to pick it up. Because when we bend over and we pick it up, what that is doing is that is sending a signal to the world that we're willing to stoop to their level of behavior. That we're willing to act in a way that the world deems acceptable. And the moment we do that, what we're doing is we are conforming our behavior to the world. And at the same time, sending a very clear message to the world that we have not been transformed by the Messiah and the gospel that we proclaim. So when we return evil with blessing through good works and prayer, it's an indelible mark of a transformed character. And it is that character which screams to the world and to the people who are perpetuating evil against us that we steadfastly, will not allow them to define who we are. But instead, we're going to be defined by Jesus Christ, who has called us out of the darkness of the world and into his light so that we can fulfill our calling of being a blessing to the world. And specifically, to
1: those who are perpetrating evil. You've been listening to the Gary Talks About God podcast. Are you looking for a church? Well, Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church is a community of believers who exist to glorify God and see transformed lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on the web at www.redbankmbc.com. Also, come visit us on Sunday at 8104 Red Bank Road in Germantown, North Carolina. Did you like this podcast? We put one out each and every week, so don't forget to subscribe. We hope this has been a blessing to you, and we thank you for listening.